Numbers chapter 16 tonight, Numbers chapter 16, and uh, we touched a little bit on this. If you're in our, our Sunday school classes, let me encourage you to be in Sunday school, and we're working through the Bible, and uh, some of us are right where we're supposed to be, Brother Odom, uh, teaching the, the, the same lessons. Some of us might be a lesson or two behind, um, but we're, we're working through the Bible together as a church, and let me encourage you, if you're not in a Sunday school class, to be in Sunday school. And uh, I trust that most of you are, but we've been going through the Bible, and um, as I taught through this lesson and, and began to study this, God really um, showed me some things uh, in this chapter, and I want to share those with you tonight. But let's begin reading in verse number 1, Numbers chapter 16. The Bible says, Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes in the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord shall show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who hath, uh, whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein. And put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel, to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. Here we have a story um, with the nation of Israel, obviously uh, just a few chapters before, just coming from a place uh, being rejected from entering into the promised land. And of course, um, as you would expect, the people begin to uh, rise up against Moses and, and they begin to murmur and to doubt and they, they begin to shift blame um, because we always need someone to blame, right? And so that's what's happening here in chapter 16 of the book of Numbers, but uh, we even read of Korah's rebellion all the way in the book of Jude. And so this is a very familiar person in Scripture. You've, you've no doubt heard the story of Korah and his pride and his rebellion that caused death upon hundreds and eventually thousands. And here, uh, Korah gathers some people together. He gathered men of renown in Israel, uh, men who um, had, had an office, men who people knew, high, high men in the nation of Israel from all different tribes. And they gather together, and they come and they stand with Korah. And let me just, uh, let me just interject here and say, beware who you stand with. Right? Be, beware who you stand with and beware who you allow to stand for you. Right? And these, these men are standing with Korah and they're coming with Korah and they come and they're standing before Moses and Aaron. 
these men of renown, they chose in this particular time in their life the wrong leader. God takes association very seriously. And we'll find that out later in the chapter. Some of these men who didn't say a word. Some of these men, men of renown, who, who, who said nothing to Moses and nothing to Aaron. May, may, may have even uh, liked Moses and Aaron and enjoyed them and, and, and respected them. But because they associated themselves with the wrong person, found themselves in a wrong place. The people that they stood with. Be careful who you're, who you're speaking with. Be careful uh, of, of criticizing God's people. Be careful of criticizing God's man. Uh, I think it's always interesting to see how, how uh, the critical people in the church always find each other. Or the youth group, or whatever the case, or, or, or the job, wherever it is. They always find each other. Be careful who we're listening to. Be careful who we're talking about. Right? Because that's what the people were there doing. They came to speak against Moses and against Aaron. And Korah says, Moses, you have taken too much upon you. You have lifted yourself up to this level, and it's too high for you. You see, Korah was a prideful person. Korah thought that he deserved more than he had. And he's coming out and he's speaking against Moses and against Aaron. And if you know the story of Moses, you know that Moses did not promote himself up. As a matter of fact, God, uh, God had to really convince Moses to go lead his people out of Egypt. You remember the story. God, God had to do a lot of convincing to get Moses to get out of his comfort zone and go and lead God's people. This was not a position that Moses really even wanted. This is a position that God had placed him in. But now these men are speaking out. Now these men are coming and they're questioning uh, God's call. They're questioning God's will. They're standing out against God's man, against Moses and against Aaron. And Moses tells Korah and the men that are there, says, we'll come here tomorrow, right? Uh, fill, fill your censer and we'll, and we'll come here tomorrow and we'll see who God chooses. We'll see, we'll see what God, we'll allow God to do the separating. Right? We'll allow God to speak for us. And that's when Moses asked this question in verse number 9, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And so Moses is telling Korah, he sends Korah, is it a small thing to you, the position that you already hold? You see, Korah, also from the tribe of Levi, held a position in the tabernacle. Apparently, uh, Korah was able to do some things in the tabernacle. He was able to minister to the people. He stood before the people. He was able to serve. God had already pulled him out of the congregation, set him apart from the congregation close to himself. Right? Close to the Lord. So Korah already had a position. Korah was able to serve. Korah did things for God. And Moses says, do those things that you're able to do, do they seem small to you? What's he saying? He's saying, is it not big enough? Is the position that you hold, is it not high enough? Seemeth it but a small thing unto you. And my question to you tonight is, when did our big work become so small? 
When did our big work become so small? You see, Korah was able to do things for God, but instead of, uh, instead of putting his head down and working for the Lord and just staying close to God, he looked at others and said, well, look what they get to do. Look at the position that they hold. I, I, I think I should be where Aaron is. I, I think I should be able to hold the position of the high priest. Right? And, and so he's, he's not uh, recognizing his calling. He's looking at others' calling. He becomes critical of God's man. He becomes prideful. And that pride builds up in his own life and in his own heart. And he speaks out. And, and, and eventually, uh, God takes his life because of this pride, because of this rebellion. And my question is, when did our big work become so small? And, and let me just say that our big work is not big work because we're involved. Our big work is big work because we have a big God. The, the work that God has you doing is big because of who God is. You say, well, I'm just this, or I'm just that. I just teach this, or I stay at home with the children, or I just have this position, or whatever God has you doing, that's your big work. And you've heard it time and time and time again. Oh, well, I'm just little old. You know, I don't, I don't get to do what, what they're doing. That's not your big work. That's not the work that God has for you. Right? And so wherever God has you at this time in your life, that is your big work. Be careful that the big work that God has called you to becomes small in your life. And when that big work becomes small, we start looking at the other works. And we start thinking, I should be doing that, or, or I should have that position, or I'm, I, would, I would be a better song leader than Brother Andrew, or uh, I could preach better, or I could teach better, or I, I could do that, I, could, I should be here, I should be there. Be careful, be careful, because apparently God takes criticism very seriously. Right? Our big work. Our big work, no matter how big you think it may be, it is a big work if that's where God has you. When the big work becomes small, we need to remove ourselves from the crowd. Oftentimes, oftentimes, our big work becomes small because we're listening to everyone else tell us that our big work is small. Well, my, my youth group is not this size. Or our, my church is not like that church. Or my family is not like... That family, God has called you to a place. God has called you to a place. And that is your work. And that's what Moses is asking Korah here. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you? Seemeth it but a small thing unto you? That God has separated you from the congregation and, and He's allowed you to do this service and stand before the congregation? Seemeth it but a small thing unto you. So because of, uh, because of the, the rebellion and the pride that Korah had, uh, flip over to verse number 35, and we're, we're getting to the end of this chapter. Flip over to verse 35. It says, And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. 250 men that stood there with Korah that day. The Lord took their life because of the critical spirit. We read in, in the book of Jude, because of the rebellion, because of the pride, 
that was in their heart. They were associated with the wrong people. God took their life. Fire from the Lord and consumed them. But go to verse number 41, and this is where I, wanna, I wanted to get to. Uh, look in verse number 41. The Bible says, But on the morrow all the congregation... But on the morrow all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. We're in the same chapter here. The very next day, on the morrow, look at verse 42, And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun." And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. The very next day, the very next day, God's people once again, and if you're in our Sunday school classes, then you know the, uh, the ups and downs of the children of Israel, the roller coaster ride that they were on, the, uh, we're, we're close to God one day, we're, we're doubting God the, the very next day. But here, uh, the Lord consumed 250 men on one day, and the very next day, the congregation of the people stood before Moses and Aaron again and said, you have killed all of these men. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Have they not learned their lesson? Just the day before, God killed all of these men for this very same thing. Just the day before, Moses and Aaron, fearing for their life, no doubt. I don't think these, these people came and, and had a peaceful protest against Moses and Aaron. I, I believe, uh, I believe they, were, they were out to get Moses and Aaron physically. We see the reaction that Moses and Aaron had. They looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. Right? They're, they're looking for some cover. They're, they're looking for help. They're looking for strength from somewhere. Right? So we see, number one, the rebellion of the crowd and the, the timing of it. I mean, the smell of the smoke probably still lingered in the air. When are we going to learn as Christians from our mistakes and from the mistakes of others? The rebellion of the crowd. The rebellion. The, the timing of, this, uh, uh, of, of what's going on here. This isn't a week apart. This isn't a month apart. This is the very next day. The very next day. And then we see the temptation. It's always easy to point our fingers and to blame others when things are going wrong. When it seems to be chaotic, when we don't have answers, we like to point our fingers at others. 
Now, I think we as Christians, yes, yes, there are certainly things going on in this world uh, that, that we would not agree with, that we don't have control of. But as Christians, you know what our job uh, should be? should be to look inward, right? It should be to see where, where are our hearts. Am I where I'm supposed to be as a Christian? Fathers, where, where is your home? Is it where it needs to be as a Christian home? It's easy to point our fingers and say, well, they need to, they need to get this right. They need to fix that. Moses, it's your fault, right? By the way, and I've seen this before growing up in church, it's not the pastor's fault if you are not where you are supposed to be spiritually. And I've seen it. We blame the church, we blame the pastor. Well, I, no, if you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually, it's because of you. Right? It's because of me. When, I, when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a father and as a husband, it's not because pastor's not preaching the right messages, right? It's because I'm not where I'm supposed to be as a Christian. And God's people uh, were professionals at blaming others for their problems. At pointing their fingers, we see the rebellion of the crowd. We see the revelation of God. Right? Look at verse number 42. It came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it. Praise God for the cloud, right? And they looked, and I believe that God's presence was there. And I believe that God's presence was there to protect His own. God's presence was there to protect Moses and Aaron. Again, I think, I think there were, this group of people, the congregation, was out to get Moses and Aaron. Now, I don't know if they had weapons. I don't know, uh, you know how aggressively they approached them. But Moses and Aaron looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and I believe God's presence was there to protect them from what they were facing. They didn't have to wonder if they were alone. They didn't have to fear for their lives because God was there. God's presence was there. And don't miss the place where He was revealed. Look toward the tabernacle. Look toward the tabernacle. Listen, when we're, when we're struggling with things in our life, when, we're, when we are going through difficulties, sometimes church, the Bible, is the first thing that we cut out of our life. These ought to be the last things that we're holding on to. Cut everything else out except for God's Word and God's house. Why? Because this is where God's presence is found. This is where we find strength. This is where we find Protection, look toward the tabernacle. In the valleys of life, look toward the tabernacle. On the mountaintop, look toward the tabernacle. And on the normal days, look toward the tabernacle. And we see God's presence. We see the crowd rebels. We see they turn against God, and they turn against God's man, and they're critical of the leader that God has given them. Right, And we see that Korah is already off the scene. We see that his rebellion caused 250 men to die. We see that they rebelled on the next day. We see God revealed himself to his people. He revealed himself to Moses and Aaron. We see the rebuke toward these sinners. Look in verse number 45. Get you up from among this congregation, talking to Moses and to Aaron, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. They fell upon their faces. Once again, 
the, the, the first passage of Scripture that we read earlier uh, in this chapter, Moses and Aaron turned and fell on their faces. Now, now here they are falling on their faces again. Why? Because God is revealing His wrath. God, God, is, God is getting ready to release His wrath, His judgment on His people. And Moses and Aaron feared and loved the people for sure. And they, they fell on their faces. The coming judgment. We cannot continue on our path of sin and apathy and complaining. God takes sin very seriously and we should too. Right, if you learn anything, anything from the story of the children of Israel, even as I'm teaching through it, one thing that I'm learning is that God takes even the things that we think are not a big deal, God takes them very seriously. The complaining and the murmuring and the, uh, the, the critical spirit and the, uh, the, the, the prideful heart and the rebellion uh, against God's anointed. God takes all of these things very seriously. The rebuke toward the sinners. And then the last thing that I want to see, this is where I was, we were getting to, the restoration. The restoration. You see, back in the first nine verses, ten verses of this chapter, Korah was not taking his calling very seriously. It was a very small thing to him, and Moses called him out on it. He says, seemeth it but a small thing to you. Why? Because Korah wanted the position that Aaron had. He wanted to be the high priest. He wanted to have the privileges. He wanted to have the, uh, the position that Aaron held. But here we see, starting in verse number 46, that Aaron held his position very highly. Aaron was very serious about what God had called him to do and the position that he had. His work was a big work, not because Aaron was anything, but because of who God was. Look at verse number 46. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them for there is wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. So God's wrath is released on His people. God is angry, right? And God releases His judgment on His people. And Moses, uh, Moses understands this very quickly. And he calls Aaron and he says, Aaron, take this censer, right? And get this fire from off the altar and put incense uh, inside of it and take this uh, sacrifice out in, in the middle of the people to stay or to stop God's wrath and God's judgment. And the Bible tells us that Aaron does just that. For, verse 47, And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people. So the plague had already begun, but we see Aaron run out to the middle of the congregation. The Bible says that he stood between the dead and the living to make this atonement on behalf of the people unto the Lord. He stands between the dead and the living. The first thing I see here uh, about Aaron is his passion for the people. Think about, think about what Aaron is doing. All, all throughout this chapter, we just read two different stories where the people stand up against Moses and Aaron, probably set out to kill them or harm them. The very least, dethrone them. Take them from the position that God had called them from. 
probably, probably some family members, no doubt, uh, family members and friends in the congregation, yet they still set out against Moses and Aaron. And now what is Aaron doing? Aaron is standing, running out between them to save their life. The passion, the love that he had for his people. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus? This isn't a Christmas message, but, but here's a Christmas tie-in, right? That's what Jesus did for us. Do you see the picture in this story? How God's wrath is released. We are rebellious people. We are a people of sin. We're born into it. We're born with a death sentence. But Jesus Christ came to this earth to stand between the dead and the living to make an atonement to the Lord. Why? Love. The love that God has for you and for me. And that's what we see from Aaron here. We don't deserve the love. He freely gives it. And we often don't desire His love. He faithfully shows it. No doubt, the congregation the day before and earlier that day did not desire Aaron's love, yet Aaron gave it, gave it to them. When it, when it was Aaron's time to do what he was supposed to do, he did his work. He did his big work. The passion he had for the people, the possession that he had for the people. He ran into the middle of the curse of death because this was not just a random group of people, but his very own. It was personal to Aaron. Aren't you so glad that God never leaves us in our time of need? We see the position compared to the people. We see Aaron was the only one. Aaron was the only one who was able to make this atonement. The position of the high priest was the only one who could make this type of sacrifice. The only one that God would accept. And Aaron had that position. And of course we read in Hebrews chapter 4 that position that Christ had, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And that's the position that Aaron had. And then the last point here is we see his purpose. His purpose in running into the people. I want you to notice something very carefully about this story. I want you to notice how Aaron runs out into the congregation, and don't forget, there, there, there's a multitude of people here, a, a group of people. We know that 14,700 of them died. We also know that the, the, the God's wrath did not reach all of them. So a large group of people. And God's, God's judgment begins on one side, and people are dying because of God's wrath, and people are dying, and it's, the, 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 the God's wrath just continues and continues and continues, and, and Aaron is preparing his censer, and he's getting the fire from off the altar and the incense, and he's, he's putting it in his censer, and he's running out into the middle of the people, and he's trying to make this atonement to God so that no one else has to die. That was the purpose in his running out into the middle of the congregation. But notice, notice the position that he was in and notice the direction of the sacrifice. Just personally and being transparent with you, a lot of my personal evangelism in my life has been here. Come with me. 
come with me to church. Here, come with me, right? Let me go out and let me get people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going out and getting people. But notice that the direction of the sacrifice, the direction of his energy, the direction of his attention, the direction of his prayer was not outward, but it was upward. Notice that he knew that there was nothing that he could do to save those people, but he knew that God could save them. He goes out with his sensor and he looks up to God and he's, uh, I believe he's just praying as he's lifting this up and begging God to save these people. Listen, we have a big work tonight. We have a big work because of who God is and because of what Jesus Christ did for you and did for me. Our big work is to reach people. Our big work is to give the gospel. Maybe it's just to your family. Maybe it's to your coworkers. Maybe it's to your neighbor. But if we're doing our job as a church, if, if I'm doing my job as a Christian, and I'm certainly 100% preaching to myself, if we're doing our job, then we're going out and we're looking up. Sometimes, and I've been so guilty of this, all of our energy and effort is this way. And we say, hey, come to church with me. And I think that's good, by the way. Come to church with me. Come to Sunday school with me. Come to this outing with me. And I certainly preach that and teach that, and we ought to do that. But how much greater would it be if we went out and got people and we had already gone up for them? What if, all of our, what, what if more of our energy and our effort was to, for God to save the people? For God to make a difference in their lives because we can't save we don't do the saving work, and that's where Aaron was. Aaron, the only one, the only person in the whole congregation who could do what he did. He was the only one that could go out and stand between the dead and the living. What a scary place to be, by the way. Would you want to run out in the middle of God's wrath that's killing people? What a scary place to be. Moses ran out there. Why? Because he was the only one that could do it, and he loved these people. And Jesus, Jesus, the only one who could be the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect atonement for our sin to save us. So now we're on the side of the living. But listen, don't forget our big work. Don't forget what God has called us to do. Sometimes I lose perspective. Sometimes I, I get caught up in, in little things and become so busy with little things that I forget the big thing. Sometimes I get so busy with small things that I forget the larger things that God has called me to do. And I think it would do all of us well tonight to have a revival back to the big work. Seemeth it but a small thing to you that God has called you to do what you're doing? Is it not big enough for you? Have you become complacent or have you become dissatisfied with what God has called you to do? And I've, I've heard testimony and certainly heard, had conversations. And I know uh, me and my wife had had com have conversations about this. So she's, you know, well, I, I feel like I'm missing out on things at the church. Or, you know, she'll say, I feel like I'm not able to do certain things. 
But God's called you to a big work. God's called you to that big work for this specific time. No, we can't be like Aaron because we're not high priests. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Right? So now, no, we don't take a censer with the sacrifice and the fire and the incense in it, but we take Jesus and we go and we stand between the dead and the living. And that's our big work.